0: Welcome to the Orange Shoe Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Mitchell. In this special Veterans Day episode, I get to talk with Drago Zuran. Drago immigrated to the United States in 1984 with 10 cents in his pocket after being a political prisoner in communist Poland. We cover Drago's story in his book, The Pledge to America. Now, my takeaway is that with hard work, determination, and a will to overcome, you can accomplish anything you set your mind to if you live in America. Drago came to America, not speaking English, and started working to pay his rent as a janitor at a local church. Now, fast forward a few decades, and Drago has retired after a career in the Navy SEALs. He's married and has a family and works as a software engineer. As Drago says over and over, his story is only possible in America. I hope you enjoy this episode. I have one quick favor to ask of you before we jump into this episode it would mean the world to me if you could give us a quick review and leave a comment. Let us know how we're doing. All right, now let's get to the show. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Orange Shoe Podcast and Honor Week, where we honor veterans throughout uh, the week of uh, Veterans Day. And today we have a special guest, Drago Zirian. Uh, We're going to cover his book, the Pledge to America, One Man's Journey from Political Prisoner to U.S. Navy Seal. Drago, welcome to the Orange Shoe Podcast. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Thank you. So uh, we got a chance to touch base a little bit before we started recording. Um, you have quite the quite the life story, Drago, and you wrote about it in the book, The Pledge to America. So right away, I'm going to tell people, just go get the book. Uh, I have several copies. Um, it is a just a fascinating read uh you can't even believe that it's actually a real story um and we get a chance to take some high level points of it throughout this uh podcast but seriously people it'll be the best thing that you buy in 2023 so oh, thank you <laughs> thank you for a nice introduction um so drago what was it like you know, growing up in poland as a young child people
1: always ask me about it and uh, before i wrote the book there's a reason i wrote that book uh, they, always the, the reaction most of the time was wow, that was so bad up there that's really bad, you know, that's a totalitarian system, uh, people are getting killed or murdered by the government well, that was never my point that's not what I was trying to say I was trying to put a little bit perspective how great America is, how great we have in this awesome country, exceptional country, but people focus already on that bad side, uh, but, but, but the, the, those bad countries. So I say, I need to just get it straight uh, once and for all. So I did wrote the book. I want this book, when people read it, to use as a lens, as a prism, so where America, that really america is because what i noticed how great america is how fantastic and how unique america is but because but i noticed too that it is so natural for americans to be good to be uh, good to each other to be good citizens that they don't see it for them it's like this is the way we are in america why are you helping these people why like i was beneficiary of this i was being helped by americans when i came to america and so the question was always like, why you do that? It's just that it costs you money, costs you effort, and you still do it. Yes, because we're Americans, this this is normal. This is how we are. So for people here, it is so transparent to be good that they just don't pay attention. There's somebody from outside need to step in and say, wow, that's a really awesome nation. Those are really awesome people in this awesome unique country so my perspective is a little bit different than most of the people here because very often they don't see that goodness transpiring from america they just see their normal lives because this is the way they are they were brought up being good people on in values uh, the moral values that are so good that they don't see nothing unnatural about it Unless somebody comes from outside and take a look at it and, and see
0: the goodness, the, the, the greatness of America. So that's the book. Mm-hmm. Well, and like you, you talk about, you know, um, you know, one man's journey from political prisoner to U.S. Navy SEAL. So you had to <clears throat> eventually leave Poland just for your own safety, correct? Yes, that's correct. Uh, after uh, I was sentenced
1: to three years of prison time uh, after uh, uh, printing... A bulletin, little newspapers, uh, exposing communist party, exposing what is happening at the time in Poland, and it was martial law was just imposed at that time because communists were losing control. Uh, I'm saying communists, but it was social state. Let me make a little bit uh, a step aside, a little bit and uh, made a little bit digression here. None of these countries, uh, Poland, East Germany, Czechoslovakia, none of these countries behind Iron Curtain, including Soviet Union, were ever communist countries. We refer to them this way. uh, uh, I catch myself sometimes saying the same thing. But uh, in reality, they were all socialist states. So the socialism, is not, and I hear it often, well, socialism is good because it builds you schools, the socialism pays for police, firefighters, first responders, builds roads. Well, if this is your definition of socialism, then Morocco, Saudi Arabia, Pakistan should also be socialist state by that definition. We know they are not. So now socialism, whether it is Adolf Hitler socialism, uh, uh, uh uh uh, national socialism whether it is democratic socialism like it was in poland that was uh uh, that was uh being built by people like my father hardcore communists or whether it is joseph stalin socialism they all have many things in common like political oppression uh censorship very hardcore censorship uh political prisoners political assassinations those are the hallmark of socialism, and socialism is a great tool, a great uh, a mechanism to subdue society, to basically slave people. And you were able to... And I was able to... Well, I was able... I was trying to... I stood up to it with mm-hmm. I, my friends. Most of the people in Poland stood up against socialism, and most of, the, many of them end up in prison, like myself, uh, so eventually I was released from prison after John Paul II came to Poland second time and he demanded release of political prisoners. They released us. But then the, the dangerous part started because in Poland in 1940s, 50s, people used to disappear. Those people who oppose socialism, who oppose the ideology, they tend to disappear or end up in prison or fabricated charges. So I, I was not far away from these times to when martial was instilled, imposed in still, uh, Poland in 1981. So after that, after I left prison, yeah, I I, I felt I, it was a very dangerous place to stay, especially for people like me who were already on the radar of communists and socialists.
0: So I went to U.S. embassy and asked for help. Well, and then you so you were able to uh, make your way over to, you know, America and, in 1984 is when you came to America and you came to America with 10 cents in your pocket. So well, who helped was, you? There was like, not who? even
1: Americans helped me. But uh the, I didn't even have a 10 cents. There was 10 phoenix. 10 oh. phoenix those <laughs> German value. There's a story to it I describe <laughs> in the book how I ended up with the 10 phoenix. Because in reality when I left Poland I had 10 dollars I think 10 or 20 dollars and, and bag of clothes like old clothes. But uh well I, my always my dream was have a little tiny uh, a tape player. Well, that was the place at that time. Where you have to record your own music. So I went and spent all the money on a little cheap recorder, uh, tape recorder, <laughs> so I can listen to my own music. And uh, this is how I, I came to America with no money, but with a tape recorder. Oh, <laughs> with your tiny,
0: yeah. <laughs> You had your priorities set straight, Drago.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know if they were set straight, but it just couldn't resist. You know, there was always my dream. I was I was watching on the on TV, uh, and uh, I heard about these small tape players. I've seen some of my uh, richer, more uh, 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 fr- rich friends had sometimes that, so I said one day I will have one too. <laughs> so <laughs> first first chance I had, I, I bought one. But uh, so- yes, yeah, so I, I ended up in America in uh, in 1984 with 10 phoenix of the German money, so there's like less than 10 cents. And yeah, of yeah,
0: it was interesting, and I highlighted like various sections in your book. And your first job, I think, you were a janitor at the church. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct.
1: Uh, Please remember, I did not speak English. I had no skills. There's nothing that I, I was grateful that people helped me find a job where I can actually take time and learn English. Uh, By the way, I learned English on my own. I learned it just from reading cartoons and uh, uh, yeah, uh, maybe trying to read newspapers. I never went to school for like long, uh, uh, effective English class so Mm -hmm. I'm I'm paying price till today I'm still making some grammar errors that is hard to rid of it because you know it's easier to learn the right way the first time than learn again the right way relearn again no of course pronunciation you know when I came to America I was already 24 so the pronunciation was really nightmare for me sometimes I was trying really hard but uh, that you know, as you can hear even today i'm better with my bullets and guns than with my words
0: <laughs> <laughs> i think your english is is uh, quite good drago uh, oh, it is, I and don't worry about grammar they don't teach it in school anymore so <laughs> you're, you're okay with grammar but it, you know here's the point i wanted to make though is that you made the comment um in the section of the book right after um you got your job as at the church was you wanted to contribute to your community and earn your place in this country. And I think it, I, those words stood out because I think it's so important. It doesn't matter what your position in life is. You can contribute, you know, that might be, you know, monetarily, you know, your time, talent, we all have something that we can contribute to strength. A very good citizen. Yes. Yeah, yes. absolutely. So, so I, go ahead. Oh, um, so you talk about the proudest moment in your life occurring in 1991 so what was that moment drago i
1: became u.s citizen i became american and please remember that at that time there was not an easy task because i had to learn the american history i had to learn how the society works how to vote there's many things that they had to learn and english that my biggest fear was english because I was still not very proficient with it, but I was trying very hard. I I spent a lot of time studying the books I needed for citizenship. And eventually, yes, I became US citizen. Uh, I became American. Basically you Americans, fellow Americans bestow on me. I think that that, that something, the the most America can grant its own uh, citizenship, its American citizenship. That's something that uh, even today resonates in my heart when I think about this day when I, uh, I I'm still get sometimes tears in my eyes when I think about it. yeah
0: and and after you earned your citizenship, you said uh, from the book, I felt it was my moral obligation to support my new country in any way that I could. I wasn't yes, rich yes. enough to create new jobs for my fellow less fortunate True. American friends but I could fight for them and for my new adopted country, the people in the country that gave me freedom. So
1: Truth. that enters
0: uh, the Navy.
1: <laughs> yes. And uh, please remember, especially at that time, uh, America was fighting first Persian war
0: mm-hmm. in, first,
1: in first Persian war. So for me, I felt like this is my moral obligation to join the effort and fight for my country, fight for America. So this is why I volunteered to join Navy. I never thought to uh, spend 20 years in military. Uh, my idea was I will find the war. After war is over, America is safe. I come back and resume my normal life that was already great at the time. And uh, God, I never even thought about Navy SEALs. There was, was never my, I didn't even know what it was at the beginning. <laughs> so that was kind of, uh, it just, as the events unfolded, I was being drawn more and more. And eventually I did end up within the Navy SEAL.
0: And, and at what age did you enter the Navy SEALs? Cause you weren't, I mean, the typical age range. Uh, no, no, I was
1: like four or five years past the limit. But I think because I was doing so well in boot camp, then mm-hmm. I went to A school, the trade, Navy trade school, that I also did very well. From boot camp, I graduated as the number one recruit. And then in the A school later, the parachute rigging school, I graduated in the top of my class. So I hope it helped uh, me get that waiver, the age waiver. Uh, and, yes, I, I joined BUDS when I was 32 years old. 33?
0: 33, yes. So not a lot of 33-year-olds joining BUDS class this day and age, is there?
1: No, there is very few. There are some, a few people maybe older than I am, but I don't know who made it. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't it. know. I'll
0: have, to, I'll have to dig in and fact check that. But um, But you made it through, and you earned your trident. And after your ceremony, you reflected, and this is coming from the book, Only in America is it possible to come without even knowing the language and carry only a bag of clothes and still succeed through hard work and determination. As much as I was proud of my SEAL trident, there was even a greater honor that was bestowed on me before. It was American citizenship.
1: True. This is why you don't see me wearing, uh, now I would say when I retired, I don't wear trident on my uh, in my on my uh, suit or on my clothes. I wear American flag, and it's nothing wrong for people who earn the trident to wear it. Many people do, and I respect that. For me, I just don't want the American flag to be next to something that American flags encompasses everything that is good. It also encompasses a trident, the Navy SEAL trident. For me, it's good enough and uh, to to be honored to be able to wear this flag on, on, on myself. So that's that's the biggest honor True.
0: No, I think um, it, it just really stuck out in the book. Uh, and like I said, I, I, I dove into this book a couple of times and I've listened to your story on several other podcasts and it was just a, a real joy to be able to actually read your book and highlight and reread those highlights. So you had five deployments overseas and for a while the Navy kind of forgot where you were, right?
1: Well, you I don't keep- know, not really forgot. It was just when I deployed, so that was deployment, in my first deployment, uh, I was with my SEAL platoon working in South America, Central America, and then the call came in that I need to move, I need to fly to Baghdad and help coordinate uh, uh, the activities. And, and work with Polish special forces as I speak Polish. So uh, the idea was because we do six months deployments. So after three months in South America, I will go for three months to Baghdad help that could start the coordination and, and the cooperation and then come back join another platoon and just start another cycle. Well, it didn't happen because uh, three months later, I expect the call from the command. It never came. I never ask, so so it just <laughs> that, that turned into four months, five months, six months, seven months. I enjoyed it. I mean, I I I was really, I felt like I'm really belonged there in the war, and uh, I remember Robo O'Neill, my one of my best friends. Uh, I used to call him and say, "Hey, I'm like second month in Iraq. I'm doing good. Just tell my command I'm doing good." So he we, 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 once once every while I like, reported to him, let him know that I'm there. And he said, "Yeah, no, I will tell them." But then, like four months passed, nobody called me. I said, "Hey Rob, I'm still here, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> no, <laughs> say nothing." So yeah, I, I stayed there. And after like, so for me, it was almost a year of deployment, being away from home. And my night vision goggles broke, so I need to call for a new one. And uh, this is when they realized, "Hey, I'm still there." <laughs> so yeah, I had to come back. So I came back, but then another SEAL platoon was going out into same. Uh, uh, in the same uh, place where Polish Grom was operating there. And they asked me if I can at least start that cooperation with them. They, that was the fir- their first deployment in- into combat. It was the first deployment where they worked with uh, Polish Special Forces. So that couple of weeks started into four months. And just four months later, I got the call, hey, you need to come back. We are deploying in a couple months. So <laughs> and then I deploy again uh, with my. <laughs> as well. So that kind of unusual story. <laughs>
0: and well, in, in, in your role in the teams, if I remember correctly, you're a breacher. Is that right? Yes, that's my
1: expertise. That's where uh, I think I'm known most for the breaching and the breaching charges that I eventually created to help us operate in Iraq in an environment that women children are on target and we need to get there and when to grab the or kill the bad guys
0: and, and you kind of um i mean you took such copious notes of you know each breach that yes. they, they use that in training now so they can use less forceful entries and you know so if there's civilians inside sure. they're not injured so yes i mean I don't really know.
1: yeah i don't know how they use it or what they use it because i'm already out of seal teams but i turn over uh my all that information my data with uh, explosives, with uh, the calculations, with the effects and images, to to my teammates. So yes, I, I think I was told it's very useful, and they are using it. Matter of fact, some of the charges, the the charges that I designed, they were they were being very widely used in Iraq uh, by SEAL teams, by SEAL breachers at the time. They were they were still not completely. Uh, they, they they were just they were there was there was there was, was new new thing so there was nothing um i cannot talk into details but Mm -hmm. it became very became very popular also Mm -hmm. the different different tactics that we had to change but again that's something that i I don't feel comfortable talking about
0: nope nope absolutely well you finally get to come home in a section called homecoming Mm -hmm. and i'm just going to turn back to the book so after many years as a navy seal i realized that i was finally at a point in my life where i could begin thinking about meeting someone Getting married and raising a family, I wanted to live out my American dream. So then you found Rachel, is that correct? Yes,
1: yes, that's correct. That is a whole, uh, different ball game. Please remember, I, I had no family. The only family that I had was my fellow Navy SEALs. So of course, who do I turn to for help for my Navy to my Navy SEALs, my brothers? And the consensus was that. The best way to do it either go to the bar but i didn't like the bar scene i cannot dance so so (laughs) i was was advised to go online and pick something there so i had a couple encounters that really scared the hell out of me and uh, <laughs> so, online
0: uh, online dating
1: yeah yeah online dating that was some of them were really really bad i described in the book some of my experiences but yes eventually i met rachel but no, so now she's like academy air force graduate she was very well educated very well very uh, very even keel beautiful girl and i i just fell in love with her and but the, my problem was english again so <laughs> i didn't want to turn her away from me by writing a title like i be what i be no i is what i is i was trying to be uh to look more civilized so i asked my friends to help me write love letters to her so whenever she wrote a letter i was i was catching one of the team guys hey can you write the response to it so <laughs> so they, they and it worked. She was very impressed, uh, I think, with my English, with my, uh, uh, you know, uh, being so r- rounded up. And uh, But eventually, even my brothers got tired of it. Say, look, now we wrote you so many of those love letters that you can copy and paste. You can make any letter out of it, you know, just copy <laughs> right words into it. Uh, well, uh, but they said, well, we're standing by. If something wrong happens, we help you. Well, I did, and her, her profile... Disappear, so <laughs> I was like, Yeah, I was in despair. I was like, What happened? And uh, I brought the letter that I up, and the, the guys look at it, it's like, Dude, not good, it's <laughs> <That's laughs> really not good. So, we, we can write <laughs> you another one, but how if she's gone, what are you gonna do? So, I say, <laughs> I don't know. I was really, really sad, and then, really, uh, yeah. yeah, and then I see her profile pop up again, so I was able to coerce her just to call just to call She called like unmarked phone. I mean, she blocked her number, so I couldn't see who was calling, but she called. Uh, and, and her words were like, oh, wow. So you are not on drugs or drunk. You just don't speak English. I was like, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And so we start talking. So what I found out later that she thought and her friends, her friends advised her too, that I must be not right. Maybe I'm just on drugs. So I, I cannot even speak English. Well, I couldn't. But, but <laughs> after that letter, she decided to just cut me out. And then, uh, so she closed her profile. And that the only reason we are together today, and the only reason she opened back, because she opened back, back her account, is because American Singles, the website, they felt so sorry for her experience with me that they gave her like 33 days, 30 days of free <laughs> membership. So this is how she came up. If they did it was like, we wouldn't be together. But yeah, we yeah. are. We have beautiful children now and we are doing extremely
0: well. Well, no, uh, I'm super happy for you, Draco. So, I mean, you obviously made an impression on her that she was willing to fly across the country to meet you in the San Diego airport. Yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn back to the book. So Rachel looked at me with a twinkle in her eye and she replied, Thomas, it is nice to meet you, but I didn't fly all the way across the United States to shake your hand. Give me a hug.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I gave her a real Drago hug. But that (laughs) was- A Drago hug? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, you know, I was scared. I was really Mm -hmm. scared. I was scared more than some of the combat missions I did in Iraq, because that was my whole future. There's my everything. And, and, and I was so afraid to lose it. So I, uh, so I was trying to be gentleman, you know, like I was, I was very stiff. I, I stick my hand out, say, hi, hey, I am Thomas. And this, this she shook my hand and said, hey, give me a hug. I didn't try to fly a <laughs> thousand miles just to shake your hand. But, you know, I it's not over yet because I was so nervous. Um, I had the flowers, but after my previous experiences, with dating online, I hid that flower in the jeep. I didn't think much about it. So um, I say like, okay, I I, I came back with swim buddy. I came back with my wingman, Air Force would call it, but my swim buddy from another seal. And I say like, look, if she is really lying to me, if she is not what she presents herself, I need to bail. You. I need you to bail me out. So I would just disappear, just tell her I went to war or whatever. Uh, well, so we are both waiting anxious and we see her in San Diego down uh, on the escalator going down. And this uh, friend of mine look at me and says, "Like, dude, how, how, did you rob that cradle? She's lo- he's so much younger than you. How did you pull it <laughs> off?" I say, "Well." You told me you guys told me to lie about my age, and then you guys loved the, wrote the love letters to her. It worked. <laughs>
0: so,
1: so yeah. So then uh, yeah, he said, "Okay, yeah, uh, you're good. I'm out." <laughs> when we went to the Jeep, then I was I was so stressed out, so nervous, and so I pull out that flower. I walk around my Jeep because she was on the passenger side, and that flowers those roses were still wrapped in the like gray paper mm-hmm. they were uh, and i just grabbed it so when i hand it to her i handed it upside down so only those twigs were twigs were sticking out <laughs> and i gave it to her because you know i was nervous so she took that flower <laughs> she unwrapped it she flipped it up the right way, she grabbed my hand, put my the flower in my hand, said, okay, try again, but this time, this way, so I said, okay, and I did here. the flowers. And
0: on the job, learning here.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, but, you know, I'm, like she said, I'm consider myself nowadays fully domesticated, and uh, she did it, but yeah. she, she always, when you talk to her, you'll always hear, well, kind of but he's still project under construction so i'm still being domesticated <laughs> so
0: like you fast forward a little bit and you're, you're you're trying to figure out how to propose to rachel and well, again i'm skipping over some of the parts of the book so just you know get the book and read all the details but you didn't have any money you know for a fancy restaurant or some you know a fancy trip or excursion so, yeah 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 so how did so how did you go about proposing to rachel well you know i asked my, of course i
1: asked my Seal Brothers, what would you do? What are the ideas were well, like go to Cancun, go there, best restaurant and stuff? I was like, damn, I do not I do not have that money. I don't even know how to book the trip to Cancun, even if I borrow it. So I just figured out my way. I said, okay, I just invite her to the range where we train, pull out every gun in our inventory, every type of gun we have in our inventory, sign up, line <laughs> them up, and just run her through it. So she will go from gun to gun, shoot each gun. Actually, I have a video of it, pretty cool. And and <laughs> and the last gun, Mark 48, I was uh, under the tray, it was belt-fed machine gun. So I opened the tray and I attached the little diamond ring to it on the string. And then on the bolt, I put like a piece of paper, says, marry me. And then I close the tray. So when she was going from gun to gun to gun, the last two were those machine guns. And I, because I was afraid that she may just open it up and slam it right back and destroy the whole <laughs> entire diamond ring that I spent so much money because I put so much effort into finding it that I say, okay, so I put just like a regular machine gun, let her open it up, let her load the 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 uh, the, 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 the ammo close the tray, and shoot. So when she go to the next one, she will be more conf- confident, but I also will be waiting there. If she tried to slam it out, just put my hand. But she didn't. <laughs> she pulled it up, and that ring popped out. And then uh, she, she read the uh, note to marry me, so in the last gun, we was supposed to shoot. So she said, yes, I put the ring on her hand, but then told her to finish the shooting. So she went back to the gun <laughs> and shoot, uh, shoot, shoot the ammo. But that was kind of, yeah, that, that was the, my uh, proposal. I have a, actually pictures and video of it too. I'm going to post it online on my website. My website is above my uh, the, the dragojuran.com. Uh, so i don't have a gallery ready the website is still under construction but there is a lot more there is a lot more every day i add something so i will have a blog that i will add things that didn't make to the book so i think it's going to be pretty interesting and the and the images from poland from communist times cuz an interesting thing too like in, in on my website you can see that image that picture where i'm standing in prison cell like leaning on one of the bunks well that was taken a year ago, when I went to that prison, we were allowed to tour that prison. I was allowed to enter the prison cell where I was actually sitting there under the communist uh, oppression. So, uh, so yeah, that picture is there. So it's pretty interesting. So I, w- I have more of those. I'm going to start posting on the on my website.
0: And we'll post your we'll post your uh, website in our show notes so people can oh, uh, access you. it. Absolutely. Well, your your proposal was way better than mine. I took my <laughs> well, wife. Everyone is
1: good. You know, like if I have more <laughs> money, I'm sure maybe I would do better. But that was just something that I was familiar with, I was good with. And uh and, and and you know, I could afford it. So
0: oh yeah. Well, I took I on my way to uh propose to my wife, we stopped and got the oil changed and then they broke the radiator <laughs> cap on the car. So we had to sit at the jiffy lube uh for a long period of time but she still oh, said yes so okay
1: so 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 <laughs> i don't feel bad about my proposal then <laughs> no your
0: proposal is great i need to redo my proposal drago <laughs> uh, yeah um so what is like like what does life look like for you now present day
1: i am a software engineer i work for the uh one of the nationwide companies and uh that the, the life is great i have now 14 years old uh, daughter and uh, 13 years old son um, uh, i love my life you know i'm i'm living my american dream
0: and you know at the end of your book in the acknowledgement section yeah, <clears throat> you know, i just highlighted the entire acknowledgement section so i'm just going to read this before we do any closing uh, remarks mm-hmm. but it says and this is all in caps Thank you to America and my fellow American citizens for my freedom. Thank you for giving me the abundance of opportunity to fulfill my dreams. So many kind Americans went out of their way to help me when I arrived in America. Goodness and moral integrity are the foundation upon which America was built, and this is what makes America unique around the world. In America, it is normal to be good, look out for neighbors, and help others who are in need. This is what makes America a light on the hill for others. My chance to live as a free man is only possible because of these ideals for which the founding fathers of America fought for and that have been carried forward to this day by Americans. I owe everything to America and the great people who go out of their way to give a hand up to those in need, doing what they can to help others realize their own American dream that's
1: true and you see this is the goodness that i was telling you earlier that for americans is so natural it's basically transparent there's nothing on you it's no big deal well it is big deal for people like me and uh yeah that's true everything i owe i owe to america and american people my freedom and
0: you're continuing to serve you know you have the navy seals fund organization that you uh Yes, work and support towards. Can you can you tell our audience a little bit about that organization? Yes, it is Navy
1: Seals Fund, F U N D, not foundation, F U N D. It is five hundred one c three charity. Uh, there is no, we don't have paid salaries on board of directors. the in the the sizing the size of, the deciding vote only Navy Seals on from the board of directors have, but we have a support from our uh, ambassadors. From our advisory board of directors that are civilians as well, and uh, I think we are doing a great job. We are very effective. During the COVID, we were one of very few charities that did not scale down. We were still supporting our my community in SEALs, as we were doing before the COVID, and uh, we do still the same thing. Uh, we are we are uh, again hundred percent of donation goes to the mission because. We don't pay ourselves. We don't have pension plans. We don't have a salaries. You know, it's nothing wrong with with people having a salaries. I guess, but just this is just my pride. I would not allow myself, my organization, to pay ourselves for helping my SEAL
0: brothers. So, continue to serve is. Uh... Yes and kind of in title. your in your DNA Drago You're, you continue to give back you continue to you know lead from the front right. and um you know, we just appreciate everything that you've done for the the country the example you've been uh, and the you know the shining light for for future citizens in this country so thank you
1: Thank you and the title the pledge to america is I'm I'm better American citizen today than I was yesterday and my pledge is I'll be better American citizen tomorrow than I am today
0: Well, I think we should all take that pledge. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, Drago, for joining us today. And that is another episode of the Orange Shoe podcast.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Orange Shoe podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you would share this podcast with a friend. Thank you so much for helping us spread the word. I appreciate your help and we'll catch you on the next episode.